Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net for all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, and pop culture. You can also go to Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, and see our video game reviews that appear in uh, 20 papers in 12 markets. We have our Skewed and Reviewed magazine, and we're just now putting the finishing touches on the next issue, which should be out soon, which will also have our 2021 holiday gift guide in it. And, of course, you can catch us on Sci-Fi Radio. And each week I appear on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISW-FM and uh, lots of stuff. We have syndication, social media. So last weekend I was at San Diego Comic-Con Special Edition. We did our standing room only panel for the uh, enduring appeal of the Alien franchise. Very happy with that. That was my first panel at San Diego Comic-Con in any format. And it was also our first time doing this alien panel. I had Victor and Juliet Calderon with me, and uh, it went over really well. So really happy about that. And this is the first time in a while that we've been able to kind of get schedules to match up. Joseph's not available because he's off covering Emerald City Comic Con as we record this. But I have uh, Michael and Justin back. And so all of us, same place, same time. And we're going to start off with something a little different. I'm actually going to introduce a topic and give you some rundown on it. And then I'm going to get their reaction because they have not um, gone over this yet. So uh, the new Spider-Man film's coming out. And we have had the trailer for the next animated film. We had a trailer for uh, Morbius and a new poster drop yesterday. And, of course... Uh, interesting news about the film. So, guys, uh, here, here's my just spec a little bit of facts with some speculation on it. So, apparently, uh, the studio is going through going to extreme measures to keep chunks of this under wraps. I have heard that the people who get to see the really early screenings of films, so they can see it and then interview the cast and stuff as part of the blitz are only going to be allowed to see 40 minutes of the movie ahead of time. And then um, our screening is going to be a couple of days before it screens. But as my understanding, it's press only, possibly including voting film critics only, no guests. So very limited um, response. And we're only getting to see it. Uh, a few out like the day after the embargo to post any reviews comes out. So, okay, that's kind of standard. You see that with certain films. Now here's where it gets very interesting. I have heard rumors that the final cut of the film is still not completed. And this got me thinking about some interesting little Marvel related news we've had going on. You may remember that there was some talk about, um, extensive reshoots being done to Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And, you know, the studio was trying to say, well, this is not a case of the storyline being massively changed around. It was just additional shooting brought on by the pandemic restrictions, brought on by um, connecting scenes needing to be shot. And then the mysterious phrase of actor availability. But yet, we heard it was going to be several weeks of six days shooting. And that got me thinking about the fact that you have 
four Marvel movies currently either done or in various stages of filming and reshooting. So here's where the topic's going to be, and I'm just speculating. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm using this as a, forgive the pun, a what if. I think they're going to be dropping some major bombshells in the film, specifically around the ending, and that's why they haven't completed the cut of the film. They're also going to be some real specific bombshells in the bonus scenes. Specifically, I think they're going to make some introductions or possibly reintroductions that are so significant they do not want those things leaking out in any way. Just crazy speculation. Again, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but think about this. If we're dancing around the multiverse, who's to say Tony Stark and Black Widow can't mysteriously come dancing back up on screen? So let's start off with Justin. What do you think? What are the, what's the reason behind this? And uh, do you think that there's some possibility that there's some epic reveal coming and that's why they're being so careful with it? Um, I, well, I certainly, with the latter point, I, de I certainly think that's the case. Um, my first reaction was, I, th I think it probably has a little bit to do, uh, I think your, your scenario might be right. Uh, but my, my first initial reaction was, was that because it involves the, uh, previous Spider-Man actors and they're really trying to keep that under lids, um, you know, even to the point where in, in the trailer, um, some uh, keen-eyed people pointed out um it looked it looked as if they took um like in one of the fight scenes in the in the trailer one of the shots it almost looked like they took one of the the actors out of it because one of the um villains gets hit by, hit by something um that is invisible <laughs> so yeah um you know just very interesting it, you know i think maybe it's just the case that they're really trying to keep that aspect of this movie under wraps um because it is going to be a big deal uh for a lot of people i mean they haven't used if they're gonna have toby mcguire and andrew garfield in the movie um they certainly have not played it up in the marketing which would mean that they want it to be a surprise um in the movie and i think most of us are kind of expecting uh, one or both of them to show up um which would be a pretty big deal but i do think you're right um uh, now that they're kind of introducing multiverse stuff um this one really could be um the big marvel movie that kind of sets up what this new phase is really going to be about because you know yeah they've, they've had uh, a number of successful movies in this phase so far but um you know they haven't really set up to my knowledge they haven't really set up what the next big arc is going to be about you know they, they set up thanos fairly early uh they had a few movies and then i believe thanos was first teased in um was it thor or was it avengers the first avengers movie i, I can't really remember but it was fairly early it was in phase one uh that thanos was first teased and then obviously they were kind of building up to that for a long time so I think they still have to do that for the next whatever kind of story arc they're going to be kind of centering all these Marvel movies on and building up towards. And I think this really could be the movie that kind of begins to seed that plot um, and really kind of kick it off. So I don't know who it's going to be about um, 
or what it's going to be centered on but there's a number of options i think you know i think it might be a mistake to bring back um tony stark and or black widow uh just because you know eventually you, you do run into a problem where uh nothing has consequence if uh you know characters die and then they come back like a few movies later which of course that's exactly how the comics worked and that was uh one of the chief uh complaints about um the way marvel you know handled the storylines in their comics is um you know if they became kind of notorious for the oh you know wolverine's dead but you know just give him you know six six to eight months maybe a year or two and he'll be back um people just sort of expect that so I think that might be, you know, just from a personal standpoint, I think that might be a mistake. Um, I do think, you know, it, it sort of robs the some of these moments, their, um, uh, their emotional payoff if you just, if they, you know, if they're just undermined later by having these characters come back. Uh, but, it you know, on the other hand, it would be cool. You know, obviously I'm a huge fan of Tony Stark um, and Robert Downey Jr. as that character. So it would be cool to see him come back. But... Uh, just my wild exp um, speculation I'm going to throw out there. I think uh, they might use this opportunity to start setting up the X-Men because that would kind of be a big deal too. Um, you know, we know that they now have the rights to it and it's it's coming at some point. So um, I think that might be an option too. That might be a big deal. You know, try to maybe show Wolverine off the fir for the first time or... Um, you know, maybe the X Manor or something. So we'll have to wait and see. But I, I do think you're right. I think they are uh, playing their cards so close to the chest because they have something big planned. Michael, your take, please. Yeah, so I think Justin covered that all really well. I would say that, uh, you know, a couple of things is Marvel likes to keep things secret. So it's not a huge deal to, to suspect that they would want to keep things under wraps as much as possible. I mean, they've been building up this movie. It will likely be the highest grossing movie since the pandemic. I would be willing to bet that's probably going to be the case. Um, and I, I do think there's lots of opportunities they have to to you know bring bring stuff to the, to the front. I agree that this is probably a, a good way to introduce the new main um, villain or protagonist for the next series of Marvel movies. Uh, I, I like the idea that it could be something where we might see um, an introduction of the X-Men, whether that be, you know, a, a, a character or characters that make an initial appearance, maybe in the end credit scenes. I could see where they might bring back Stony, uh, Tony Stark as a multiverse character in that he's not necessarily brought back to life in the existing world as it goes forward but could come back to provide some guidance to peter um as he's you know interacting with the uh the, the villains from the various areas of the multiverse so I, I don't think we'll see those characters necessarily come back to life as we know it in the existing universe but as we have seen uh and we see here right they bring in uh villains who are killed um other characters that have been killed in the past to make an appearance uh, in the multiverse, which I think is something that we could see um, with heroes. And I, I would think uh, Tony in particular, because of the relationship that he has with um, Peter at all the Spider-Man movies and in, you know, civil war, et cetera. So I could see that he could come back as a, it almost like a mentorship kind of position uh, as a short, you know, nod to their relationship um, 
from some other metaverse where he still lives and and continues on. Uh, so I think that would be a pretty cool uh, thing to see as well. I mean, we've seen a lot of the actors who are, you know, outright sane in the media. They have no um, cameos in the movie, but as we know, uh, contractually, they would say that no matter what the case was or not. So the question will be, um, who's really who really are we going to see from previous movies from the the Spider-Man perspective? And, and again, I, I think they're going to keep all those things um, under wraps just to get people more excited so they want to you know, reach out and see the film as quickly as they can. And let's also not forget that we have the big question mark of when are we going to see any kind of movement on the Fantastic Four? Because the last thing that anybody would be expecting would be Doctor Doom to show up or something like that or Galactus or... You know there there are options, but I think we I think we uh, I pretty much agree that there's going to be something. I mean, let let's look at the last Spider-Man. None of us expected that scene with um, um, Nick Fury that's setting up Secret War, which is coming soon. None of us expected to see um, J. Jonah Jameson popping up on the screen like that. So there are all kinds of. Uh, options that they could do it. And I think that's going to be very, very interesting to see what they do. I mean, look at the, uh, as you said, Michael, this is going to be huge. Look at the uh, the advanced ticket sales uh, numbers for this thing already. So really, really good to see. So, you know, getting close. We're uh, getting closer and closer to being able to uh, actually see the film. And I think that's going to be a very welcome, really, for a lot of people. So getting off to the next topic, there are reports that PlayStation is working on a tiered version uh, of a Game Pass to compete with what Microsoft offers. Apparently, the uh, various versions will uh, vary in price, but there'll be one that's very similar to PS Plus. There are, apparently will be one that offers access to current PS4 and in-time PS5 games. And then, of course, there apparently will be a more deluxe one that is everything, including access to catalogs of PS1, 2, and 3 games. So uh, we'll start with you, Michael. What do you make of this? So, uh, you know, I think Sony finally came to the realization that this is something that they have to do to compete and continue to compete with a with how Microsoft is kind of bringing these things to the table, right? And the one thing that I that I, I still wonder if Sony's going to be making the right decision on is what the cost of the tiered um, things are going to be because right now Microsoft um, is an outstanding value, right? They don't, they pretty much give you access to everything um, day one release type stuff. That's from the Microsoft studios and other studios. Um, in addition to a lot of the um, backwards compatible games. And if you're a game pass ultimate, you're also getting all of this stuff on PC as well. Um, which allows for, you know, at a, at a price that, in my opinion, is unbeatable. Um, so I, I question a couple of things. One is, um, for me, the Game Pass Ultimate is is a value because, again, I get it. I mostly game on PC, so that's my, you know, preferred gaming uh, preference. But if I have it on Xbox as well for Xbox exclusives, I'm good with that. Um, with where, where with Sony, you know, I already have the games that I want to play. Um, PlayStation Plus, you know, it does does provide some value with free games, but but as far as you know, paying more for PS5 or PS4 games or, or backwards compatible, 
Uh, again, it would depend on the price, but I just don't see that they can compete price-wise with what Microsoft off offers um, for the same value. Uh, so again, I think for for people who are strictly Sony game people or, or PlayStation people, it'll depend again on the, what the what the actual price is for these things. Um, and knowing Sony, I don't suspect it's going to be an inexpensive option. Um, so again, in, in any games, particularly uh, you know PS4 games or PS5 games, if, if there were ones that I was interested in, I own them already, so I wouldn't see the benefit of, of going back and, and revisiting some of these things. But again, I'm not a I'm not a big Sony PlayStation player. Um, you know, I've had my PlayStation 5 for months. I've turned it on once. Um, so, you know, for me, it's not a it's not a I, I just can't see that there'll be a value to that for me personally. But again, if you're a strictly a PlayStation uh, player, maybe that would be the case. Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I think Michael's definitely right. Um, you know, I think one of the issues uh, is that they really kind of had no choice because the Game Pass, like, just frankly, is very impressive. You know, um, they there's like brand new games that launch on Game Pass. Um, you know, it would be very easy and kind of like the expected thing for um you know the last decade or so that it, uh, that a service like that where you you know you pay monthly that maybe you'd get like you know some older games maybe you get some uh some indie games for free um but the the value of the game pass is is honestly very impressive um all sorts of brand new games launch on it um, and you know, very frequently, every time that there's like an E3 or some kind of event, uh, there's there's always some kind of like very shocking like, oh, this is on Game Pass Day One uh, announcement. And I think you know, over the over the years, Microsoft has kind of cultivated a really good um, and successful uh, reputation with their Game Pass. So I, I think Sony kind of has no choice here; um, they kind of have to do it to to compete. Uh, so it, it definitely makes sense from from that regard, um, you know. I, I think the thing that they're gonna they're gonna struggle with is like, what do you put on it? Um, you know, I think it would be a pretty good deal if you know, like you had mentioned, uh, if there's PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four games. Uh, I think the one one thing that they're kind of struggling with right now is um, the software library on the PS Five uh, just needs to be. A little more um there just needs to be a little bit more there that's ps5 specific uh that's kind of one of the reasons i i mean one they're really hard to get but one of the reasons i haven't really put a ton of effort personally into getting a playstation 5 is just because most of the stuff that's on it um is you know upgraded versions of playstation 4 games uh which is cool but i think they need they really need um some more ps5 specific things and then, yeah, I think that this would kind of round it out, um, a Game Pass kind of service that would uh, allow them to compete on, on that level. I think the two biggest things that I could think of is, number one, you have to make sure that it has good content. And by that, I look at, I'm going to be honest, most of the games released on PS Plus don't have any interest uh, for me. I very rarely do I get something. I mean, yes, being in the media, we have access to certain things, but very rarely uh, you don't see a lot of their premium titles ever come on the the 
service even a year or two after release. So that that is a potential problem. I don't have any interest in PS1, 2, 3, or 4 titles at this point on my 5. That's the whole reason I got a 5, was to play the new games, not to go back and play retro versions of the old games. You know, I, the ones that interested me I played back then when I had the corresponding consoles, so that isn't of interest for me. I think where they need to be very sharp is they need to continue their move toward putting titles out on PC. Apparently, we're going to see God of War other titles like that. Now, if they're smart and they make it so that you can get a PlayStation slash PC version of the game, that's fine. The problem with that, though, is when you put it out on your PlayStation and then it takes several years before it comes to PC, that does tend to make it difficult. I mean, the big thing that Xbox has going for it is it's not just Xbox exclusives. They have Warner Brother games. They have Electronic Arts games. They have a large selection of old and new games. So especially the day of releases, you know, take something like Back for Blood, being able to say, oh, wow, I don't have to go out and pay $59.99 and buy this game. It's right here at launch for me to play. Uh, you Or to be patient and wait a couple months because we have things like Aliens Fireteam coming out. We were talking before the show about uh, Halo, the brand new Halo's coming Having it right there, that's a big thing. And I just don't know if Sony's, you know, even industry experts are saying, I don't know if Sony's going to be bold enough to say, okay, we're going to put a PS5 release available on this service the same day that you can go out and buy it. And that's going to be the trick because what good is having a catalog of service that you go for if the games are old games and they are not things that people want to play and they do not have access to the immediate releases so that is going to be a big question going forward um, and, and gareth before we go on to yeah. add to that i mean just some examples right i mean again i'm talking you know i'm not talking console specific but but we've seen um just just this week for example archvale which i'm reviewing uh from hum humble games that's a day one release on uh game pass right and and again that's a smaller title um total war warhammer 3 is going to be a day one release uh, on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, Back for Blood, as you mentioned, the new Halo um, that's coming out. Uh, I mean, I can, you know, pretty much, pre I, I always had to check Xbox because for every game that I see coming out that I want to purchase, there's been a pretty good a chance that I got it for free already. Um, and so again, it, it, you know, with the Bethesda library, the EA library, uh, for the most part, the Xbox library, and let's not forget the the ability for the Xbox to play games um, streamed easily to your PC um, or phone or any other device that you want to use. Um, again, and all for the price. I mean, th that's the key. If if Sony really wants to compete, they're going to have to take a really uh, big cut, I think, in the price that they're expecting to release this for. And I think that's going to be the key is in order to compete for what they're offering, I think they're going to have to really huh, take a take a pretty big you know hit to their bottom line as a as a cost to folks who sign up and it'll be interesting to see if that draws enough people yeah and that's going to be very very interesting because you know as we're moving forward we have the game awards coming up next week and uh, that's supposed to happen on well it's not supposed to it's going to be happening on december 9th and we've already had a lot of uh, news come out about this. So some of the news that has uh, come out this week is that Giancarlo Esposito is going to be appearing at the awards. Well, there's a tie-in with Far Cry 6. That makes sense. Uh, 
Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are going to be as part of the lineup, and that ties in with not only the upcoming release of the new Matrix film, the fact that there is also a rumored Matrix game coming. And then we're hearing all kinds of interesting music stuff, like Imagine Dragons is going to perform, Sting is going to perform, but they also have music featured in video games. And then Simo Liu, uh, Shang-Chi, is going to be announced as a presenter. So it'll be interesting. They're ramping up the star power. But of course, for me, I'm not as big on awards because to me it's all politics and that sort of thing. But what I'm really intrigued by are what game announcements we are going to get. So, of course, obviously there are a lot of rumors floating around and there's some, uh, you know, crazy things that people are really excited. There are some belief that we could see a Breath of the Wild sequel, we could see a Fable sequel. Uh, This week we had a lot of rumor flying around about a new Bioshock game, which could be out as early as next year, set in Antarctica containing two locales, and so people are saying this could be a teaser trailer. Uh, We could be seeing something about a rumored console version of World of Warcrafts, And, of course, a big PlayStation reveals. And, of course, others are saying, well, what about Ubisoft Star Wars game? So on and so forth. So why don't we start with you, Michael? Just tell me what you are thinking about the awards and maybe what you would like to see and what would be, you know, maybe an oh, wow moment if it was revealed for you. Uh, Yeah, and honestly, I'm excited about the the game awards just because I'm always curious. Um, to see what I missed out on throughout the year, right? As far as upcoming games, uh, new game titles, uh, that sort of thing. And there haven't really been a lot of uh, exciting announcements that we weren't already aware of um, in the future. So I'm honestly just kind of looking forward to see what they can do. Um, you know, it, you know what, what sorts of announcements we can look forward to. Uh, I, oh, yeah, I always think they're interesting because I think it's been kind of a trying to think kind of a slower year i think for games just kind of like 2020 was as well um even with the new consoles we would have expected a lot more uh big you know big releases big name titles you know we've got a couple coming up obviously obviously halo's coming up here uh, shortly which i think is one of the ones that the microsoft owners have been waiting for for a while uh, but I, but i think it has been a pretty slow year so i really am kind of curious as to what um what titles are going to be announced which ones are going to take um, awards and and just kind of see where we go from there. Yeah, and it's interesting because right, we heard a rumor from one outlet. They're saying, well, um, apparently Jeff Keighley himself has said one of the reveals has been in the works for two and a half years. And so it's like, okay, that could be interesting. I've heard one say that there could be as many as 40 to 50 titles um, featured. Now, of course, whether featured is revealed and, um, you know, counting the nominees, who knows? But that is that is really, really interesting stuff. Justin, what do you take on uh, this topic? Yeah, no, I think you guys are right. Um, it, it is kind of interesting. The, the Game Awards are uh, definitely much more, um, you know, known now for the reveals. Uh, and it is pretty impressive how many kind of big reveals... It, 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 you know, many years ago, it wasn't much. Like, you'd usually get, like, um, you know, a couple maybe kind of big ones, and then, um, you know, mostly kind of, like, indie titles and stuff. But but as the years have gone on, uh, you know, it's kind of a big event. Um, and it kind of makes sense just because there isn't 
like a lot of like winter events where you can you know show off what's what you're working on um so you know timing wise you know it it does work out pretty well for a lot of companies but um it, it's just kind of interesting that i think most people kind of nowadays turn tune into it for um what gets revealed there uh instead of like um what the actual awards are but you know I, i'm kind of interested just because of some of the rumors i've heard um like you said the bioshock one i think that's um very interesting to me uh a huge fan of bioshock but i always thought you know one of the difficult things with it is uh it's so important um the setting is so important to that franchise and coming up with a new compelling setting like rapture uh has always been kind of a challenge for them so uh i'm i'm very intrigued by that um you know i, I think we'll probably see some other kind of big big reveals as well so i'm i'm looking forward to it um but uh you know i i, I actually haven't heard a ton of rumors other than that bioshock one so i'm very curious to see kind of what what big stuff is uh um is behind the corner yeah, and, and I would like to see, I mean, on that end, too, I, I, we, we probably will see more about the new Dead Space that's being uh, developed and worked on. I would expect that we're going to see a little bit more about that um, for sure. I mean, that's one that I'm uh, cautiously ex excited for because I, the, the first two were so outstanding. Same with Bioshock. I feel the exact same way. Is that going returning to some of these um, the, these stories... I'm always a little hesitant on because I don't want it to sour um, the experience that it was before. And even with Bioshock Infinite, uh, I thought that was a great game. But I was concerned when, you know, you, you, you kind of go out of Rapture and you take on a new um, in, in no, no, new area. So, you know, I, I, I'm hoping we don't just see a, um, if they are going to do another Bioshock, I hope it's going to be more of a, a, a new story and not sort of a, a rehash of what we've already been through. Um, because again, I think those stories are, are outstanding on their own, and I don't think they need a, a rehash of some of that, you know, those stories as they stand currently. I'm very curious since you mentioned um, Dead Space. I'm really curious about what happened with one of last year's reveals, the Callisto Protocol, which appeared to be very much a spinoff or set in the same universe of Dead Space. That right after we got the reveal. They got their social media pages up. We haven't heard squat about it. And all of a sudden we started hearing, oh, Dead Space remake, Dead Space remake. So, you know, that was a prime example of something that was revealed last year and then went absolutely silent. So, you know, th those are all things that I'm, I'm really curious to get an idea what's coming. And I think, you know, assuming that things are able to go as we hope they will, this is a key element because, you know, if my initial check is correct, this is it gaming wise in terms of a major event until PAX East. And as we all have talked about, PAX East is not a place for reveals, but that's going to set the stage until hopefully the return of in-person E3 uh, later this year. And that's going to be the big test because that's going to be the first time in a couple of years when people can put their products out in front of the public. And as we all know, there is a there is one type of reaction to seeing a nice trailer. There's another reaction to being able to see it and play it yourself in person. And that that can be a double-edged sword. You can say, 
wow, I didn't have a lot of expectations going in or I was blown away by what I saw versus, wow, I didn't like what I saw, but it's still a game in progress. So, you know, that's the beauty of it. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. I hope everyone out there has a very safe week. Please stay safe and uh, enjoy the holiday activities as best you can. And until then, we will talk to you next week. Take care.